0: You heard me mention uh, Oleg and the Zoom call that I was on yesterday. A couple just funny notes from that call is one, uh, Oleg and I had our times wrong. And so he shared with me, hey, Matt, to be on this call, just jump on at 6 a.m. And so I set my alarm clock for 5.30 kind of throw some water on my face, get a cup of coffee, and then jump on this phone call. But in reality, what we hadn't quite lined up was the time that it was in Moldova versus the time here in California. And so I got a call at 4.59 a.m. yesterday morning from Oleg saying, come on, it's time to jump on the phone call. And so from a dead sleep, I jumped out of the bed, um, ran to the bathroom, threw some water on my face, and then flipped on my laptop and was part of this call at 5 a.m. yesterday. Don't you feel sorry for me right now? (laughs) But it was a wonderful opportunity to be with these precious pastors who are serving Jesus Christ, who are proclaiming the gospel during this COVID-19 season. They asked me, well, what's happening in the United States? What, What does California look like right now? And what I told these Eastern European pastors was this, is that our nation right now is in a lot of pain. Our nation is hurting, our nation is at unrest. I know that you felt that this week, it just takes a couple of minutes jumping on social media this week or, or turning on cable news to understand the pain and the unrest that our nation is at today. And if you're like me, maybe you've taken on some of the burden of that pain. And in some ways that's really good. To have empathy for those that are hurting around us. But in a lot of ways, we take on maybe more than we're meant to bear. And and that's been my story this week. I have just had this this weight that I've felt on my shoulders all week. And finally this morning, I had my cup of coffee and I was sitting outside. Maybe you haven't had a chance to go outside yet, but it's a beautiful day here in Orange County. And I was sitting outside this morning in my backyard, my coffee, just talking to Jesus. Jesus. And all of a sudden, I just broke. The emotions of this week, and I just broke, and I began weeping, going, God, we need you. God, I need you. I'm feeling so weary and burdened right now. I'm feeling the unrest and the pain of this nation and our world. God, we need you. And so we come here this morning, we're through screens, but through the power, the supernatural power, of God, we need him. In our unrest, we need to find rest in God. And there's no better place to find rest in God than in his word. And so I invite you to grab your Bible and open up to the book of Hebrews chapter four, as we continue this mini series within this incredible New Testament book on rest. And so look at Hebrews chapter four, turn into the New Testament, it's towards the back. Hebrews 4, and then specifically go to verse 12. If you hit Revelation, you've gone too far, but maybe that'd be a good place to sit anyway in this time. But Revelation, I mean, uh, (laughs) Hebrews chapter 4, beginning in verse 12, and you can read it on the screen as well. It says this, For the word of God is living and active, and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. And we'll stop right there. Hebrews chapter, sorry, oh, thanks. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 12, I mean, chapter four, verses 12 and 13. And from this passage, we see this that God's word is alive, God's word is active, and God's word is accountable. This is where we can find rest this morning. It begins in verse 12 with this idea that God's word is alive, that it's relevant. It's moving for today here in 2020. A good cross-reference for Hebrews chapter four is found in 2 Timothy chapter three. In 2 Timothy 3, it says all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness. Now, there'd be some, uh, if you were to approach them today and you were to ask them, well, do you believe that God's word is relevant for today? Do you believe the Bible actually can speak into the events of today? say you were to go into the grocery store this afternoon and pick up groceries for the week, and you were to randomly ask a person that, probably I'm guessing that most people would say, "Uh, I don't see the relevance. It's an ancient document written thousands of years ago. It might have some nice platitudes, but it certainly isn't speaking into what we're facing here today. But you look at Hebrews 4, you look at here at 2 Timothy 3, and you see that the Bible is alive. It actually speaks into the events of, of what we're experiencing this week. I came across this photo in the AP, and it really struck me. It was here in Manhattan that there was a protest going on, and, and then these two police officers got down on one knee and, and they embraced these two protesters. And you can see that this one is just has his arms, they're just they're locked together in empathy and care for one another. But then this, this man's face just was hitting me. You see the, the pain in his face. You, you see maybe even fear that he's experiencing, the unknown of what's happening in the world. And then you see the officer with his hand on him. Now, I yearn for this type of shalom in our world. This type of peace, this type of humility and brotherhood and unity. And yet, are we ever going to find that? Well, God's word is relevant to even the solution of our day. In fact, there's, there's over 30,000 uh, verses in the Bible. But even if you were just to pick four of them, they would apply for today. In Genesis chapter 1, it says that every man, woman, and child is made in the image of God. Of God. What this means is that every person of color is made in the image of God and has inherent value. Every police officer is made in the image of God and has inherent value. Every government official, every one of our neighbors is made in the image of God, Genesis 1 tells us. That is very relevant for today. You keep scrolling the scriptures in the New Testament and you see in the book of Romans chapter 12 verse 15 it says rejoice with those who rejoice and then it says weep with those who weep What would it look like today if we did those two things we we had joy with those who are experiencing good things but we also had empathy and we wept with those who are experiencing pain in our world right now. And then you keep moving into the scriptures and you find in Philippians chapter two, this concept of humility, that we should have the same attitude of Christ Jesus, who was humble, that we should consider as Philippians two says, consider others more important than ourselves. I actually printed out Philippians two and placed it on our refrigerator so that our family could recognize this every day because naturally, and I'll start with me, I am just a selfish person, especially in this stay at home world when, when we're all very close with those that we're quarantined with. It, it can be so easy just to let your selfishness override other people's needs. Yet Philippians 2 reminds us that we're called to live in humility as Jesus did, it considers others more important than ourselves. And then 2 Corinthians 5 has this incredible teaching about reconciliation. It talks about how through faith in Jesus, we're reconciled to God. And then as we receive that reconciliation from God, we're called to be Jesus's ambassadors, to be ambassadors of reconciliation, to tell others about Jesus, but also to provide and and seek reconciliation and justice in relationships with our neighbors. So there's 30,000 verses in God's word in the Bible. And these are just four that I've quickly referenced. But you can see how they're relevant and impactful for today. Can you imagine if our world just simply lived out those four verses? How different and transformed our culture would be right now. So God's word is alive. It speaks in to our current moment. And we showed this, uh, I think it was about maybe six weeks ago but it's from Brett McCracken, who's an author who actually lives here in Santa Ana. And he has some great things to say about where do we seek wisdom? And this is, I don't know if you can recognize this, but this is on the top of the pyramid is Twitter, it represents social media. And then underneath that is Google, the internet, and then books, and then nature and beauty, and the local church, and, and then the Bible. And Brett talks about that our consumption uh, for wisdom Should really be in this order, or or really that our, our foundation should be the Word of God. But to be honest, even this week, I probably have spent more time up here than I have here. Think about your own life for a moment. Where have you consumed information this week? If you're up here like I have been, no wonder we're feeling so anxious right now. No wonder we have so many burdens right now. Now, should we be informed of what's happening in our culture and world? Absolutely. We should even use that as a fuel for our spiritual lives to be able to know how to speak salt and light into our world. And yet the word of God, when it's living, it can speak into our lives and hearts like nothing else. So much greater than anything else we could input into our minds, amen? Let this be a visual reminder to you that God's word is active and alive. That's what it continues to say here in Hebrews 4. That the word of God is alive and it's also active. This word active in the original language is where we get our word energy. It means power or or fueling the the faith of our, our lives. And so when you look at God's word, it not only is alive and relevant, but it moves, it creates power as we follow Jesus Christ. It is active. There is a great story of the fourth century theologian, Augustine. And Augustine was a very wealthy man. And before he became a follower of Jesus, he lived a pretty disgusting life. He just lived for himself. He used his wealth and his money to basically seek any pleasure that he wanted. He walked away from the responsibility of being a dad and left his young son and family to go pursue the pleasures of this world. One day Augustine was I believe in like his mid 30s and he was in Milan, Italy, just living this lavish lifestyle. And he was in a garden area of the home that he was staying at. And he was walking around the garden area and he heard a small child, a small child singing something. And, and he kind of strained his ears to listen to what this child was singing. And, and the child was saying, get up and read. Get up and read. And at first Augustine thought like, is this some children's game from, from the house next door? And he's just overhearing it. And, and then he thought, well, maybe this is God speaking to me, telling me to go read the Bible. And that's just the spirit of God that led him to that. And so he found a Bible in the home and he took the Bible and I'm sure maybe you've done this, I've done this. He just simply opened the scriptures and he landed on Romans chapter 13. And in Romans chapter 13, it says, walk away, rid yourself of earthly pleasures and put on Jesus Christ. Augustine, reading those words, was instantly changed as the active word of God changed his hardened, hedonistic heart and brought him into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. And Augustine, that very next Easter, on Easter Sunday, was baptized as a believer in Jesus Christ and then went on to write a couple of the most epic books that we've ever known in Christianity The City of God and Confessions. But Augustine was changed through his interaction with the active word of God. Are you allowing yourself to be changed by the word that is alive and the word that is active? Now, I know some of us in our, in our daily lives come across skeptics who say, well, can, can you really trust God's word and two books I even want to give you this morning that that would encourage you with that is one is by a guy named F.F. Bruce and he wrote a book called the New Testament documents are they reliable and then Erwin Lutzer wrote a book called seven reasons why you can trust the Bible and these are excellent resources in fact you can just even email our resource pastor here at Calvary Randy Harris at rharris at calvarylife.org in fact we'll put that in the link here on our page And you can find resources like this to dig in to the reliability of the scriptures so that you can grow in your faith and confidence that God's word truly is reliable and it's active and it is alive. God's word is ready to change us. As Psalm 19 proclaims, listen to these words, they're so good. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. If I were to tell you this morning that there is something you can do this week to grow wiser, to restore your soul, to enlighten your eyes, to make your heart rejoice, there's actually something you can do this week to have those things happen. You'd be like, okay, what is it? You're like, Let me know. I want to know what this is. Well, it's God's word, Psalm 19 tells us. It changes us from the inside out. The theologian Dwight Moody says it like this, this book will keep you from sin and sin will keep you from this book. Are you ready to be transformed by the active and alive word of God? We gave you a challenge at the beginning of our Hebrew series, and that was to to read the book of Hebrews. In fact, you could even do it in one sitting in in about 45 minutes. And I want to challenge us again, whether you did this the first time or not, to this week to find rest in the word of God by reading the book of Hebrews. Read the whole thing. Take this challenge, and we'd love to hear about it, what some of your conclusions were, how this even energized your faith this week. And so God's word is alive, it's active, and God's word is accountable. Verse 12 goes on to say that the word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Here is a photo of a first century Roman sword. It was a double-edged sword. It's called a gladius And the Roman soldiers, this became their favorite weapon to use in battle. And they were nicknamed gladiators as a result of using a sword that was called a gladius. It was about uh, 18 to 25 inches long. The Romans actually adapted it from another nation that they had conquered pre-Christ. And they kept developing it, sharpening it. And it became, as I said, the go-to weapon for Roman soldiers. So as Hebrews is written... When he refers to a double edged sword, that culture would understand what he was talking about. Uh, Something, an instrument like this. Now, no one would want to be cut by a double edged sword, obviously. Yesterday, I was uh, pruning some roses in our backyard, and I have some cuts to show for it, and those hurt, right? It's even a little rose prick, like, ow! And so, no one wants to be cut. And yet God's word is an instrument to cut out, cut us in healthy ways. And here's what I mean. Maybe you recognize this photo. Maybe you've actually had this point of view before. This is a surgery light when you're laying on that surgical bed and looking up. Now, when you have surgery, they're cutting out something from your body that isn't good for you. They're restoring you back to health by taking something unhealthy out of you. And that is the purpose of the word of God. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. It's meant to cut out the things in our lives that don't honor God both in our heart and our mind and our actions. A few years ago, maybe you remember this, but I actually had eye surgery because I had skin cancer on my left eyelid. In fact, my surgeon said I was the youngest patient he'd ever seen with this type of skin cancer before. So I was happy to win something. And so as I sat on this bed, looking up at a light, just like this, they performed Mohs surgery on my eyelid. And what they did, not to gross you out, but they would cut layers of my eyelid out. And then they would put that under a microscope and they would see if there was any cancerous cells uh, in that layer of skin. And so they ended up doing four cuts of Moh's surgery on my eyelid. As they kept cutting, going under the microscope and seeing that there was still cancer there, they'd have to come back and make an additional cut until they were certain that they had gotten all the skin cancer out of my eyelid. And that's how God's word works. It cuts out the things that don't honor God in our lives. I'm wondering during this week of unrest... If God's word is waiting to cut out the anger in our lives. If God's word is waiting to cut out the pride in our lives. If God's word is waiting to cut out the indifference in our lives. I had a friendship with, or I have a friendship with an African-American pastor named Lamont. And Lamont and I over the last few years have had a lot of discussions about racial reconciliation a couple of years ago, we were having lunch and I had heard about a conference in Memphis that was honoring uh, the death of Dr. Martin Luther King. And I gathered together some funds and I presented Lamont an opportunity. I said, Lamont, you're a leader here in Santa Ana. I wanna use these funds to send you to Memphis to be part of this conference honoring Dr. King. And I want you to learn all you can from that. And you can bring it back here to Santa Ana to teach the rest of us. And so Lamont went. About a week after he came back from Memphis here to Santa Ana, we had coffee together. And I go, Lamont, tell, tell me about the conference. I, I want to know like what you experienced, how it was being at the very spot where Dr. King gave his life. And so Lamont's telling me details about what he saw and learned. And, and then the spirit of God just cut to my heart. Using God's word, Galatians, it says, walk alongside each other. And here, God's word and the spirit work together to convict me. As Lamont sharing what had happened in Memphis, I began to realize I let him go alone. I said, Lamont, this is your deal. I'll support you in this, but but you go to Memphis and, and I'll cheer you on. But instead, God used his word and his spirit to challenge me. Matt, this isn't just Lamont's deal. This isn't just something that you you cheer on from the sidelines. I'm calling you to be involved. You should have gone with Lamont to Memphis to walk side by side with him in this calling. And I was just convicted right there. I'm praying for more conviction in my indifference, that this issue of racial reconciliation that, that honestly isn't at the top of my list, that God would change me and cause my indifference to be moved to empathy and then to action. That's what God's word can do for all of us. John Stott the theologian says it so wonderfully when he says, "We must allow the word of God to confront us, to disturb our security, to undermine our complacency and to overthrow our patterns of thought and behavior." That's so good. Will you allow God's word that's alive, that's active and wants to be accountable Will you allow that to speak and change you even today? Now, how does this passage relate to our theme of rest beyond the ways that I've just mentioned? Well, as you look at the scripture here, you see that it refers to a couple of interesting words. It says the word pierces. And judges and laid bare. That's what the word of God does to our hearts and minds. It, it pierces and it judges and it, it lays bare uh, our motivations and actions. We're in a sense naked before the word of God as, as Christ examines us through it. And there's really some Old Testament language that's used here very intentionally. You know, the book of Hebrews is like a giant link to the Old Testament. And so the author of Hebrews here in chapter four as he's referring to the word of God is no doubt thinking about the sacrificial system of the Old Testament, the old covenant in the temple that a priest would take a lamb and that priest would pierce the lamb so that the shed blood of the lamb would be used in the sacrifice. Before the priest pierce the lamb he would judge the lamb he would make sure that the lamb was spotless and and unblemished and appropriate for the sacrifice and then after piercing the lamb the lamb would be laid bare on the altar exposed as as the blood ran out and spilled off of the altar this was the priestly duty to atone for the sins of the people Now, God's word does something similar to each of us. It pierces us, it it judges us, it lays us bare. But here's the good news, and here's where we find rest is that we actually have one who steps in for us on the altar. We have one who was pierced for our transgressions. We have one who takes on the judgment that we deserve. We have one who was laid bare on our behalf. And that is Jesus Christ. This may be the first time that you've ever heard this. Let this sink in that in your unrest, Jesus died for you. He took your place so that in Him you can find rest. You may have been a believer for 40, 50, 60 years, and you've been feeling unrest this week. As we've been seeing earlier in our worship time, look to Jesus to find rest in our weariness. Look to Jesus to find rest in our unrest. He has been pierced. He has been sacrificed. He has been laid bare for you and me. In just a moment, we will take communion. Communion to remember this. And I encourage you to grab something in your home right now that you can participate in communion with us to remember that this is what Jesus has done. You see, the book of Hebrews, and specifically here in Hebrews chapter 4, is talking about a rest that's more than just a nap. It's talking about salvation rest. And that's available for all of us. You can place your faith in Jesus today to receive that salvation rest. And communion is a reminder of what Jesus has already done. And it's a look ahead to how he'll return again. I love this quote from Corey Ten Boom. If you don't know, Corey Ten Boom, who suffered during World War II, is actually buried right here in Santa Ana at Fairhaven Cemetery as she lived her last years in the city of Orange. Corey Tim Boom, in one of her writings, says this so well, sums up even Hebrews 4 so well. It says, Look within and be depressed. Look without and be distressed. Look to Christ and be at rest. This is what God's word does. It helps us look to Christ. Let's find rest in Him this morning. Pray with me, okay? Father, we thank you for the amazing truth that your word is not just some ancient document, but it is alive and breathing today. God, thank you that your word uh, even desires to be active and moving in our lives, to change us, to transform us. God, I pray that we would just expose our hearts and minds to your great word right now, that it would hold us accountable. That God, that through your word, through your truth, that we could find ultimate rest in you, Jesus, and rest for our souls during this extreme moment of unrest. So God, may your word do its thing. Speak to us now. In Jesus' name, amen.